The Lord Jesus invited people saying, Follow me and I will make you. In this message, we look at how the Lord took ordinary people and molded them to be disciples. We learn how to apply these five aspects into our personal lives to grow into becoming disciples of the Lord Jesus and how we can use these very same five aspects in helping others becoming disciples of the Lord. Say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I believe His word. I receive His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. May be seated, please. Last Sunday, we, we began a series on discipleship. Where essentially we want to learn together on becoming disciples and making disciples. We are on a journey, learning this together, how we can become disciples and how we can make disciples. I want to quickly review what we did last Sunday and then just take this uh, further this morning. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples. So Jesus is looking for disciples. He's not looking for Sunday morning Christians. Amen? He's not looking for church members. He's not looking for church attenders. He's looking for people who will be disciples. And we said last Sunday, essentially a disciple is, is not only, as far as the New Testament understands it, a disciple is not only just a pupil or a student, but a disciple is somebody who is a devoted follower of Jesus, whose goal is to be like him. That's a disciple. You're committed to Jesus Christ and you want to be like Him. You're pursuing that. So we said three things from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We said Jesus wants us to be disciples. We're called to be disciples, not just uh, church believers or church attenders. Secondly, we said disciples are made. So you're not, you, know, you don't become a disciple just because you sign a membership form in a church. You don't become a disciple because... You know, you have a Christian name. You don't become a disciple just because in a moment, it's a process. You, we are made. Disciples are made. There's a process. And we want to understand that, how, how disciples are made, yield ourselves to it so that we can become disciples. And thirdly, we said Jesus wants disciples to make more disciples. As a disciple, He wants you to go and make more disciples. Teach others to become disciples. He said, teach them everything I've taught you. Amen? So last Sunday we talked about the five traits or marks or characteristics of a disciple. Now these identifying marks are not some, you know, this is the APC marks of a disciple. It's not a denominational marks of a disciple. These are the marks that Jesus himself gave. He said, this is how people will recognize you, identify you as a disciple. This is 
what I'm looking for in a disciple. So this is Jesus' standard for a disciple. We had five of these identifying marks. Number one, as a disciple, I continue, I abide in his words. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Second, we're just reviewing now. Second, identifying mark of a disciple. You love others as you are loved. You walk in love as you are loved. He said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, as I have loved you. Number three, as a disciple, I perceive fruitfulness in every area of my life. In John 15, he said, this is how my father is glorified. If you are fruitful, and so shall you be my disciples. You and I are called to be fruitful. God wants us to increase in fruitfulness in whatever sphere of influence, whatever you're doing, be fruitful for the Lord. Number four, as a disciple, I pursue becoming more and more like Jesus. He said it is sufficient for a disciple that he be as his master. It's sufficient. That's the standard. He said in Luke 6, 40, whoever is perfectly trained will be like his master. So, as a disciple, I'm in this journey. You and I are in this journey to becoming more and more like Jesus. And finally, as a disciple, I carry my cross. He said, if whoever does not forsake all that he has and takes up his cross and follows me, he cannot be my disciple. So you cannot be a disciple if you do not carry your cross. The cross is simply a place of sacrifice. It's a place of suffering. It's a place of separation from the world. We all have to carry a cross and follow Jesus. Amen? These are the identifying marks of a disciple. This morning, I want to take some time to talk about how one becomes and makes disciples. Just about the process. How does one become a disciple? What is the process? We want to learn this for our own selves to make sure that we are going through the process. And we also want to learn this so that we can help others go through it. Amen? The best way for us to look at this is to go look at Jesus and see how he made his disciples. Now he spoke to the multitudes. Great numbers of people came to hear him and listen to him. But he had, out of all of that, he had 12 people that he called his disciples. And later on he had 70 more. So it's good for us just to narrow in, zoom in and see, how did the Lord make his disciples? How did he nurture? How did he build them up? What did he do? What process did he put in place so that he could take 12 ordinary men and make them his disciples? That's what we're going to do. So very simple message, nothing complicated this morning. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, we have the account of Jesus going and calling in people to be his disciples. And this is how he did it. It says here, Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It says they left their nets and they followed Jesus. He said, follow me. I will make you. I will make you into something. I will do something with your life. I will shape you, mold you into being a fisherman, a disciple. 
of Jesus Christ. Follow me, I will make you. He's still doing that today. Amen? He calls people from all walks of life. And when, when Jesus picked out the twelve, you know, some were fishermen, mostly fishermen. One was a tax collector. I don't know what the others did. Different things. He just called them from all walks of life. Most of them never passed out of high school. Just fishermen. Just doing what they grew up doing. And he called them. He said, follow me. I will make you. I will do something with your life. I will mold you. I will shape you. He continues there. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately they left the boat and the father and followed him. So how did Jesus make his disciples? Just five observations and how he worked with these ordinary people to mold them into his disciples. And we just trans- we look at these things and we just transfer them to our own lives so that we can walk the same process and we can help others walk the same process. Here are the five observations that I made and you may have more. Number one, he had them be with him. He taught them, he interacted with them, he worked with them personally. He had them be with him. How did he make disciples? He called these 12 people and he said, I want you to be with me. To stay with me. There were multitudes who came. There were crowds who came and listened to his sermons, attended his services. But there were 12 who were with him. They were with him all the time. They traveled with him. They ate with him. They slept with him. They rested with him. They went on boat cruise with him. They were in the storms with him. They went through all three years, three and a half years, being with Jesus. Look at what it says in some some scriptures here in Mark chapter 3 verse 13 to 15. It says, he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. How did he groom his disciples? How did he nurture his disciples? He called them, these 12, to be with Jesus, to be with him. Mark 3 in verse 7 says, When Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. See, there were these great crowds. But only 12 went with him on the boats. They were with him. Mark 6 and verse 30 says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Can you imagine this? Where are you guys going? We're going on vacation. With whom? With Jesus. You're taking a break. No preaching, no praying for the sick, no casting out devils. He's going to hang out with Jesus. Wow. They traveled with him. They rested with him. They journeyed with him. They learned. They ministered with him. How did he make his disciples? He called them to be with him. And this left such a lasting impression on them. That long after, after Jesus ascended, went back into heaven. And here were these religious leaders who were trying to obstruct and, and interfere in the ministry. of The disciples in Acts chapter 4, very familiar verse, Acts 4 and verse 13. It says there, 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They looked at these guys. They said, man, we know them. We know Peter. We know John. They've not graduated from any of our colleges. We know them. Uneducated, untrained men. But here they are. They're shaking our city. They're turning the hearts of people. How could they do this? What's going on? They said there's only one thing that we can identify. They were with Jesus. They were with him. That's why they are like the way they are. That's why they're able to do what they're doing now. That's why they're having such an influence on our city. There's only one thing. They were with Jesus. Second thing we see that, Jesus, that, 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 that really helped nurture these disciples is that they were together as a team. In other words, you know, Jesus didn't have these 12 people meeting alone with him in isolation, having, you know, you meet me two to three, you meet me four to five, and they all gone their own. No, no, no. They were together as a team. So they rubbed shoulders with each other. They interacted with each other. They, they bumped into each other the wrong ways. And they learned from each other's lives and each other's mistakes and, and everything that each other did. That also was important in them being nurtured as disciples. Amen? And sometimes we want to think like, okay, I'll be with Jesus. I'll be all alone with Jesus. Nobody else come close to me. Well, you do need other people. You need to be part of a team. You need to be part of a, a group. It's not about just you following Jesus to become a disciple. That's important. But that's not the only thing. You and I need one another. Amen? And so, here as a team, they all made mistakes. You remember the time in Matthew 20 when Jimmy and Johnny's mom came by and said, Jesus, please reserve one seat on your right hand, one seat on your left. For two of my boys, when you come into your kingdom, just imagine the other ten standing there, probably ready with stones. All right, who's going first? You know, Jimmy or Johnny? You know. But then Jesus uses that moment to say, "Okay, guys, listen. This is how the kingdom of God works. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be on top, you better step down." Amen. If you want to be a leader, learn to be a servant. Okay, guys, drop your stones. Come on. So they learned through all of that. You remember the time when Jesus walked into a village and, and the village, they didn't want to receive Jesus. So James and John said, Lord, let's do the Elijah thing. Let's call fire from heaven. Show them who we are. Jesus said, guys, Relax. I know Elijah prayed and the fire did come. But we're not going to do that here. You don't know what manner of people you are. This is not the time. This is not the place to do it. So they, they journeyed together. They learned from each other's reactions. And, 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 and through that, they were also molded together to be disciples. Many, many situations. You read the Gospels. You see them engaging with Jesus together and with one another. Third observation is this. That he sent them out to do whatever he taught them. 
So he didn't say, just come, sit down and listen to all my teaching, take notes every Sunday morning. We'll also have the PowerPoint and PDF available on our websites and the MP3 and the videos. <laughs> keep watching it. Keep... No, no, no. He said, listen to my teachings, but I want you to go out and do what I'm teaching you. And so he actually sent these guys out. Now, can you imagine when they go out the first time, he sends them out two by two. Peter, I don't know who, who went with Peter, but the other guy saying, Peter, you go first, we follow you. Now, you lay your hands the first time, let's see what happens, Peter. You cast out the first devil, we'll see what happens. And so, but Jesus gets them out to do something. Go preach the gospel, go heal the sick, go cast out devils. So, but pastor, But Jesus, we haven't graduated from APCBC yet, you know. He sent them out. So, how did he nurture his disciples? He didn't just say, you come and listen to my teaching and sit down here. No, no, no. You listen to my teaching, but you've got to go out and do something for the kingdom. Get out there. Go preach. And these were unschooled, untrained men. They've never been through a class on homolytics. Never been through teaching in one session on hermeneutics, how to rightly interpret the word. No, no. All they know was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And you can imagine Peter preaching his sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is here, so repent. Here, right now, we have the kingdom, so repent. You know, (laughs) I've been going over the same sentence over and over again. But he sent them out. To represent him and the kingdom. Amen. Number four. How did he nurture his disciples? They learned through their experiences and mistakes. It's so funny. Jesus was teaching all the crowds. He was teaching in parables and nice stories. And Peter and John maybe taking notes. You know, okay, Mark chapter four. So went out to sow the seed and all that. Okay, that's a nice story. But what's the meaning? So we say, okay, let's not embarrass ourselves. Let the crowds go away. And all the crowds go away. They come at Jesus. You know, that was a nice story. But what was the meaning? Please tell us. Please explain. So they learned through that. They learned through their life experiences. They were in a boat. And Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. And he went to sleep. And they said, okay, we're going to have a nice, nice afternoon. We're just going to get on to the other side. And suddenly a storm came. Like, man, what do we do now? And they saw Jesus come, calm the storm, the wind, waves, and he turns around to them and he says, where is your faith? So, oh, we're supposed to use our faith? Okay, get it. So then there's another time and there were, you know, 5,000 men and so many other women and children and, and uh, they've been there preaching. Jesus has been preaching three days for God his time, preaching the eternal gospel, you know. And after three days, Jesus says, okay, let's send them away. And they said, you know, Lord, they've been here with us for three days. Uh, Can we give them something to eat lest they faint on the way? And Jesus, okay, you give them something to eat. Oh, man, we shouldn't have brought that up, you know. (laughs) Jesus turns it back to them and says, you give them something to eat. So here comes Philip. He's like many of us. He says, Master, even if you have 6,000 rupees, you can't go to Iyengar's bakery and get enough bread for them. 
thinking. But here comes Andrew. Different school of thought. Possibility thinking. Andrew says, Lord, sure. But we need a miracle. I found a boy. He's got a few loaves and a few fish. He's one step better than Philip. At least he's thinking different. He said, I've got a little. You need to make it more. I'm willing to bring this. So Philip may say, okay, I need to learn to think like Andrew. I got to change my thinking. Right? So they learn through all of those experiences. They see Jesus multiplying the, the food and blessing the people. And, and they, they learn. They learn with all of life experiences. It was a short time, but they learned. Lastly, how did Jesus nurture his disciples? We see this. That he never gives up on his disciples. The worst of the worst happened. At the moment of his need, when he really needed his disciples to stand with him, they all ran away. Even the man who said, Lord, I'm ready to go and die with you, die for you, he ran. Not only did he run, one little girl said, I saw you with him. He denied Jesus. He said, no, 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 I don't know him. You don't get my smell, his smell on me. I don't know him. They all left him, ran away. And they did not believe. That he would rise up from the dead. They didn't believe that. Jesus had to appear to these disciples. Show his hands and feet inside and say, look, this is me. I'm alive. He restored them. He he spoke to Peter and said, Peter, follow me. Feet by feet. He restored them. And barely 50 days later. He used the same man who denied him. Barely 50 days later, he used the same man to preach the inaugural message of the church. Amen? If it was today's church, they would have written Peter off for 50 years. Not with Jesus. He restored him. Within 50 days, put him back into service. Get back. Go preach. Amen? He never gave up on his disciples. So let's translate these five observations to our own lives to say, look, here's a kind of a process we see how Jesus worked with his disciples. Today, Jesus is not here physically. He's not present here. He's ascended back into heaven, but he sent us his Holy Spirit. Literally, the Holy Spirit multiplies the presence of Jesus to all of us. Amen? So now, not just 12 people can be His disciples, but multitudes all over the world can become His disciples as they open up their lives to the working of the Spirit of God. Because He is the Spirit of Christ. And Jesus said, if I go away, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How? In the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's apply these things to, myself, to ourselves. I just call them the disciplines of a disciple. Number one, I spend time with Jesus in his word and prayer. 
in the presence of the Holy Spirit. As a disciple, here's my discipline. As I yield to this process, what do I do? I spend time with Jesus. How can I spend time with Jesus? It's through his word, through prayer, both done in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because he is the Spirit of Christ. Amen? That's where it all begins. Are you spending time with Jesus? He wants to make you and me a disciple. But this is how it happens. It requires that we spend time with Jesus. So make sure you do that. And don't just restrict it to, you know, one hour a day or something. It's continuous. Hang out with Jesus day in and day out. Even in your place of work, in your school, your college, Jesus. You practice the presence of Jesus. He's with you all the time. Amen? It's good to have a set time where you, where you, you, you pray and you read the word. That's very good. But don't just, you know, don't just restrict it to that one hour or whatever time you take. It's continuous. You practice his presence all the time. He's with you all the time. Number two. You must fellowship with other believers. Following Jesus, true, it's personal, but yet it's not an isolated journey. Amen? It is a journey, a personal journey, but it's not intended for you to journey in isolation. You and I need one another because it's through other people and through the interactions and and through our sharing our lives and and just exposing, uh, just being vulnerable with each other, we will learn. God will deal with us. So you need that few people, one, two, three, whoever, that you connect with, you share with, you journey together with. That's why life groups are important. And I know not everyone can attend life groups. You work late, you work night shifts, and all of those things are there. But in your, the time that you do have, you connect with people. Spend time. Talk, share, engage. Because we need each other. Hebrews 10, 25 and 26 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but encouraging, exhorting one another. Number three, you share your faith, you serve in His kingdom. See, I started preaching when I was 13. And I had not yet read my Bible. Not, and I didn't finish reading my Bible. I got saved. There's a fire inside me. I started preaching. All I need is, you know, basic things. This is what you need to get saved. This is what you need to follow Jesus. That's it. Started preaching. You can do it too. You know a whole lot more than what I did when I started preaching. In my school, my classroom, I stood up and spoke to my friends and would stop friends on the road, I mean, in the playground, whatever. Just talk to them, share the gospel. That's all I need. You need to believe in Jesus to be saved. He died for your sins. He rose up from the dead. You believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. He'll make you a new creation. So you need to do that. Don't wait till you know everything, you have all the answers, because that will never happen. We're all still learning. Start with what you have, with what you know. Start talking to people. Start sharing your faith. Start working with others. Start serving in the kingdom. Do whatever you can. 
serve God. Amen? He's given you and me gifts that we must use. Use those gifts. Number four, we learn or follow the Lord through life's experiences. See, that's important as you grow, to grow up as a disciple. You follow the Lord through all of life's experiences. Sometimes there are mountains we face. Sometimes there are storms we face. Sometimes there are challenges and life's not always easy. We're living in a fallen world. We're not living in a perfect world. So there are things we have to face. There are challenges, there are obstacles, there are hindrances, there are temptations. There are valleys you, may and I, you and I may go through. And all these things are realities. But if you determine to follow Him through all of life's experiences, you're going to be shaped, you're going to be molded, you're going to come out as a disciple. Amen? So being a disciple is not just a Sunday morning thing. It's something that goes on throughout the week. You're being shaped even through the things you go through Monday to Saturday. Amen? That's part of you being molded as a disciple. Sometimes we think, you know, okay, the only time I'm being shaped and molded as a disciple is when I'm sitting down there listening to this great preaching. No, 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 no. Everything you go through Monday through Saturday is part of the process of shaping you and molding you into that disciple of Jesus. Amen? Because on Sunday, it's easy to hear, love others as I have loved you. And oh, you've got all these angels around you in church. So easy to love. But when you get out in the world on Monday morning and you face this boss who is so terrible. Sometimes you wonder, I mean, is he, does he have a 666 on his hand or forehead? You know? At least I can mark him out as the Antichrist, you know. But then in that situation, you learn to love. You learn to honor. You learn to respect because he's your boss. You're being shaped and molded to be a disciple. Amen? Through all of life's experiences. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, uh, 3, 4, 5, it says, you know, when you go through tribulations, count it all joy because tribulations, meaning challenges, develops endurance and endurance develops character. So without those Without that practical experience of going through life's challenges, you are not going to develop character. But you follow Jesus through it all. You're becoming a disciple. And lastly, remember He never gives up on you and me. We may falter, we may fall, we may make mistakes, we may you know, do things we're really ashamed of and all of those things. It happened to the, the 12, it'll happen to us. But He never gives up on us. He's still with us on this journey of making us disciples. Amen? And the same thing we can apply to others. When you lead people to Jesus, take them to the same process. Teach them to spend time with Jesus in the Word and in prayer. Teach them to fellowship with other believers. Teach them to share their faith, to serve the Lord in whatever ways they can. Teach them to Follow the Lord through all of life's experiences and encourage them saying that Jesus will never give up on them. 
Amen? So this morning, a very simple message, very simple challenge. Here's how Jesus made his 12 disciples. Here's what you and I can do to become disciples of Jesus in our walk today. Here's how we can help others journey through to becoming disciples. I want to invite you to go with me on this journey. Amen? To becoming disciples of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet. As you stand here this morning, would you take a moment, please, just to pray and say, Lord, I'm willing to walk with you, to journey with you, to becoming a disciple. I'm willing to practice the presence of Jesus. That means I'm with you all the time. I journey with you. I minister with you. I rest with you. On the aeroplane, Jesus, you're with me. In the train, you're with me. In the car, Jesus, you're with me. In my school, classroom, you're with me. In the college, Jesus, you're with me. I'm willing to go out and share Jesus with people. I'm willing to serve you, God. To take whatever I have and just begin to give it out to people. Begin to touch other lives. Begin to make a difference. serve in the local church, whatever you can. Represent Jesus. Follow Jesus through all of life's experiences. Let everything just move you closer to Him. Things you understand, things you don't understand. Things that bring you joy and things that might cause some tears. Follow Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Because He's making you into a disciple. remember, He never gives up on you. He never gives up. There's always a moment of restoration. He puts you back on your feet. You journey along. No matter how many times you, times you fall, He will always restore. He's there to restore. He never gives up. Would you pray and say, Jesus, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple. there's anyone here you've never opened your heart up to Jesus you've never been born again you never received Jesus Christ into your life you don't know if you are a new creation or not you're not sure if your sins are forgiven you're not sure that if you were to leave the earth today that you would be with Jesus in heaven I want you to pray a simple prayer in your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God and help me to be your disciple. You pray that in your own heart this morning. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.